Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Let's Coach with Mark and Carolyn, the show that brings you the best from the professional coaching world for you to use in your everyday life. Carolyn Owens and myself, uh, Mark Thorne, are both uh, professional coaches. Uh, Carolyn is a career and life coach. I'm an executive and leadership coach. Uh, we both have the privilege of working with some wonderful people and love what we do. And so we'd like to share that with the listening audience and uh, bring you all kinds of great tidbits from other coaches uh, and some great tidbits from Carolyn and I, even if I do say so myself. Um, we also like to bring small business ideas. Uh, most coaches are small business people, and so we like to bring those ideas for other coaches to use and other small business folks. Uh, Carolyn and I are also both believe big believers in paying it forward. Uh, I do a lot of nonprofit work. Carolyn also does a lot of volunteer work. Uh, so we look for stories from people uh, about what they're doing in the local community to make the world a better place. Uh, it's always amazing to me to see the number of people who are really and truly involved in, the, in, in making things better. Uh, so we like to use those paying it forward stories. Uh, and we've got a, uh, a fair number of those kinds of guests coming up on um, on the schedule. So uh, welcome to today. Um, Carolyn is uh, is going to be with us in the studio here shortly. Uh, but in any event, uh, pretty busy time. Uh, people gearing up, move into things as winter ends and spring begins, and so they're getting a little bit busy and. Uh, Looking to implement some of the things that they've talked about from a uh, from a plan standpoint. Uh, I continue to work with a lot of my clients on implementing and following through on their strategic plan. Um, always one of the things that I like to do. Uh, it's always the right time to have a to have a good plan and to follow it and to think and act strategically. Uh, really makes a difference in your life. It lets you live more harmoniously with your values. So, uh, interesting show today. This is uh, February, the the month that uh, we have our Love and Relationship series. Uh, Carolyn's lined up some interesting guests. Today should be a fun show. Carolyn, how are you today? Good morning or afternoon to our guests, wherever they may be. And it is a wonderful, beautiful day here in the DMV, the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. And I am super excited about our show today. Um, I, I, our guest is someone I've known for a couple years now, and you know I can't believe that he has not been on the show yet, so I'm really excited to have him here. Well, great. So what else is new in your world? <laughs> well, you know, I always like to... Um, take a minute and talk about what's going on out there, different events and everything that people can attend. And you've been hearing me still talk about the pink event. The date is almost here. And it's going to be the sixth annual Women-Focused Expo, the ultimate woman's day out. And it's taking place March 6th uh, from 12 p.m. to 5.30 p.m. at the BWI Airport Marriott. And, you know, this is, you have exhibitors, you have a charity raffle, you have speakers, door prizes, swag bags, the pink pamper lounge. And I hope they have again this year. They have these Oreo cookies that are dipped with either strawberry or vanilla, like this chocolate. Amazing. And so um, 
unfortunately, my son does not eat chocolate because he actually volunteers and helps out as well, helping um, the women pack up their cars and set up their tables. So I get to have uh, lots of cookies that day. Um, So I am definitely looking forward and excited to attending that event. And if you're following me on Twitter, you've seen me tweeting about some of the entertainers, uh, some of the speakers, some of the sponsors, and different things that are going to take place. And, you know, people are continuing to have things to put in the swag bag. So definitely going to be a great Ultimate Women's Day out. And you'll see the link. I'll put it on my Facebook page today as well as on Twitter. It's in the feed there where you can find out how to register and get the tickets. And also going on right now, we have the Extraordinary New Year virtual event. Um, And it's really helping you align with your goals and achieve success this year in 2016. You know, you have the – we talked earlier this year about strategic planning and goal setting and people will set new year's resolutions and about now is when they you know pretty much tanked on them and they're not fulfilling them they're not doing them and this telesummit is here to really help guide you to be able to achieve success and i'm honored to be one of the speakers for it and my presentation is actually on the 24th of February this month, and if you go to extraordinarynewyear.com, black, excuse me, backslash C. Owens, you can actually go there and register for the event, and I will share that on um, social media as well. And the th- third event I want to mention is for fellow career and workforce development professionals. Um, it is the Maryland Career Development Association annual conference that's taking place April 28th through the 29th, and it's at the uh, Doubletree Hilton Hotel in Columbia, Maryland. And the theme this year is Meaningful Career, Meaningful Life. And I've had the honor of serving as the uh, past, uh, excuse me, President-elect, President, Awards Committee Chair, and now also the immediate past president. So this will be um, probably my last year as a board member after a little over three years there. And um, this is, it's, Really a great conference, great speakers that come in, great networking that takes place. You know, I've met some Maria Schaefer, lifelong friend, Carol Taylor, who's been, listens to our show, who's been on the air, author of the Find Your Federal Job Fit. Just the different connections that I've made there. It's been an amazing, amazing time serving as a board member, premier career development association here in the DMV. So you can go to mdcareers.org to sign up for that, or if you have any questions or even want to consider, you know, how do I give back in a career development profession, definitely connect with me. I can tell you all about the board, the positions that will be available. That's my job. Uh, this year is refilling in some of the vacancies that will be coming up. So definitely reach out to me. But for me, I am having fun. Um, one of my goals this year was to do more videos. And so I've been brushing up on some skills and studying Periscope and different things that I'll be ready to launch real soon. I've had several people asking, Carolyn, when are you going to do videos? So that is coming in the near future. But you know me, I like to do my homework first to make sure everything's set up and what do I really need to be successful at it. But you'll be hearing more about that in my journey into the more video world. But working with clients having fun, um, you know, it's just like we always say, we really love what we do. So, Mark? Yes. <laughs> well, I, can, I continue to be working with my clients. Um, 
I just uh, completed uh, working on an article that uh, I submitted for publication. I'll let you all know more about that as I see whether or not it gets accepted. Um, so it was uh, an article talking about uh, what happened, what happens when life goes awry and how to recover from that. Uh, so hopefully that will be published in the not-too-distant future. That was a heck of a lot of fun to put together and work on. Uh, I continue to do uh, a fair amount of nonprofit work, again, something that I enjoy doing. Uh, I'm doing some coaching for a couple of nonprofits at the moment and continue working with my uh, individual by executive and leadership clients. Uh, again, something that's a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, in fact, I, I, just, I just had a, a, a really fun coaching session with one of my clients this, this morning prior to the radio show. Uh, so um, coaching is just such a good time and something that I really and truly enjoy working with people who are doing good things and helping them get even better. Um, so if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can give me a call at 301 717-1185. Drop me an email at dmthorn at verizon.net, uh, or you can find me on social media. So, Carolyn, how about you? If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can visit my website at infinitycoaching.net. Um, there's a contact me form there. Or you can email me at Owens at infinitycoaching.net. Or, again, you can find me on social media, primarily on Twitter, at Carol R. Owens, and on um, LinkedIn at, I believe it's Carolyn Owens there as well. Um, but if you want to find one, you'll find me on all of them. As well as I have to say, I finally, finally broke down, and I have an Instagram account. And so you'll find me there on Insta- excuse me, Instagram as well at Carolyn R. Owens. Definitely connect and reach out to me. And, and one of the platforms, I we always love to connect with our listeners. Any questions, suggestions, or ideas that you have about the show, definitely reach out to us. We always love to hear from you. And if you would like to talk to us live and on the air today, give us a call at 773-897-6124. You can use that to listen into the show, but if you have a question, uh, we can also get you into the studio. And that number again is 773-897-6124. We've got a caller on the line. I'm going to bring them into the studio, Carol. So, caller whose number ends in 3-1, welcome to Let's Coach with Mark and Carolyn. Chris, is that you? Oh, I'm sorry, this is me, yeah. So when you said caller, I thought you were talking to someone else who was dialing in to listen to the show. Hi. No, <laughs> well, I was talking to you. <laughs> welcome to the show. Um, thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. How are you guys? We're doing awesome. great. Wednesdays are always fun days. I'm sorry? Wednesdays are always fun days. Carol and I both both really love doing this show, so it's uh, sort of sort of one of the one of the highlights of the uh, week for both of us. Well, I'm very excited about it as well. I especially love talking about authenticity in relationships, so I really dig this subject today. So I appreciate you having me on board. Okay, Carol, would you like to do? You've got you've got uh, you've got an, you've got an intro ready. I sure do. I, as I said, I'm very excited about the show this week. And I have to say, this, this is more of a personal introduction. Because um, I, when I first met Chris, it was about six years ago, and I was still on active duty, and we had just had a meeting um, about training, professional development, 
And afterwards, we got into this great conversation. I remember even they were telling him, come on, come on, he has to go. But I have to say, you know, in that conversation, I was so impressed. And if you know me, it takes a lot to impress me. I don't get that easily impressed. And, you know, some of the things that you notice right away in talking to him was that he had a true concern for people, wanting to help them, um, being their advocate when needed, and really making sure that people were living full lives, not being taken advantage of. And he had so much going on. Um, He was one of the youngest that I know of to ever become what we, we call it SES, a senior executive, senior position within the government at a very, very young age. And at the same time, he had already started his coaching business, um, and he was still doing a lot of uh, work with, like I said, helping people who had, you know, literally gotten taken advantage of by, say, a car dealer or by somebody. He was literally their advocate and kind of, you know, standing up for the little guy. And you couldn't help but to really be impressed because of the sincerity that you saw. And he... Working for the government, he was teaching classes on negotiation and emotional intelligence, um, as well as targeted sessions on communicating to affect and break down barriers. So he's a certified relationship coach, and he's a women's empowerment executive. And in both of these roles, he has taught over 30 seminars, 50 workshops, Um, done interviews and keynotes, over 75 of those, worked with over 300 singles and couples. And I know since I last had these numbers, it's probably even more than that now. Um, And, you know, no complaints, all rave reviews. If you go to the website even, you'll see how many great reviews he has. And, you know, when you – he doesn't take that traditional uh, textbook philosophy and status quo on relationships and views about men and women. So his advice and his columns are rooted in the modern realities of men, women, sex, and love. And the advice he gives and the messages he gives are delivered in a concise manner and garner tremendous praise for getting to the heart of each individual's circumstances and really helping their cause. He works with individuals, couples, group coaching. And I want to say, you know, to put this out there in the very beginning, there is a difference between relationship coach and dating coach, and Chris is not a dating coach. So this isn't a show about how to snag that love of your life, how to snag that man, how to snag that woman, or how to make someone love you. Um, But it is really about relationship authenticity, self-awareness, and understanding how one, how we love. And so I'm very happy and excited to have Chris with us today. Chris, welcome to Let's Coach with Mark and Carolyn. Thank you very much. I'm not sure what to say about the introduction, but I will say uh, from a personal perspective, yes, Carolyn and I um, gelled very quickly. And, um, you know, her point about, you know, my sincere desire to help, uh, it's a two-way street because, quite frankly, I would not have added the visits I had to the location uh, to where she worked if she wasn't the one pulling the strings to get it done, which, you know, like most traditional businesses and certainly some, in some cases with the government, not a lot of leaders make that effort to bring people in that can help the workforce, you know, find themselves and be more successful. So it really is a two-way street, but I genuinely appreciate the words. Um, I, I do love this stuff, frankly, so... 
great. Thank you. <clears throat> so I want to I want to start by asking you how how did you get into coaching? Well, um, as you noted earlier, in, in just the context of this discussion, I was an executive very young, and I say that to, the, to answer your question because one of the first things I noticed was I got there despite having a lot less credentials than people who don't look like me. So, you know, to put it very candidly, you know, I am a white male. I was 30 years old when I made executive, and yet there were people who were not males or who were not, um, <clears throat> who were not you know, Caucasian that had a lot more credentials than me, and I just, one of the first things I noticed simply was that their their path to getting to the same point I was was a lot more difficult than mine, and the only difference was my uh, gender and my race. And I noticed that, and I sat on a couple of interview panels, and I would hear fellow panel members talking about why certain people weren't qualified in their mind for these promotions or these jobs, and I thought, okay, Sounds a little bit like some inherent bias to me, but let's assume you're right. Who's talking to these folks? So you're telling me as a panel member why these people aren't getting there from here, but who's having the conversations with the people? And a lot of people are talking about mentoring. And I realized very quickly mentoring is advice. So mentoring is very black and white. It's a, I have a question about something, and you're going to give me an answer based on your own experiences. Is that really helping people, though, who have to deal with a lot more than just their own experience. If it was just one resume versus another, the landscape would look a lot different. It's more about personal connection with someone and getting to the root of who they are and what they want, and you can't really do that, in my opinion, without putting some element of coaching into it. So I really got into coaching so that I could add that extra layer of insight that would come from the person, because when it comes from them, obviously they get it more. They're more inclined to, to understand it, to, you know, to uh, take it in and reflect on it. Um, and the other thing I would simply add is when I got divorced, and I am, you know, have a divorce at a very young age as well, getting back into the dating scene, I recognized, A, I found myself changing a lot to sort of meet the person that I thought I wanted to have. But I also found that a lot of people are going on dates with um, would cater to me, I think, because I was a guy or because they thought that that's what they had to do. And I just started asking myself, how many people do this? How many people become or act like someone that they're not simply because that's what the current normal requires them to do? So from my perspective, coaching, especially when it comes to relationships and authenticity, is all about getting to a new normal where people can be who they are, swim backwards, and still, you know, get the girl or get the guy and not, as you said earlier, not do dating coaching where I'm simply talking to people about how to dress and what food to order and what jokes to laugh at because, to me, that's not getting to the heart of the human condition and whether people are compatible or not and how people can find someone that they're compatible with. You have the analogy that you used about Christine, Christina, and Christy. Can you go over that? Yeah, so I, you know, I used to uh, have a conversation with clients when I first got into coaching, and they would listen to the uh, words, and they would say, you know, everything you're saying makes sense to me, but the reality is it's not importable, meaning I can't actually use it and still have them. And I said, why? Give me an example. And they would say, well, you know, you're telling me to um, <clears throat> to mind my words because I don't like words like if I may 
but anyways, as if what you just said doesn't matter and things like that. But if I'm really the person you're telling me I should be, which is who I am inside, but if I'm really that person, if my real side comes out, no guy's going to want to date me. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. If I date you, Christina, and I treat you like garbage and you dump me, I should probably in that moment feel like I did something wrong. But the reason I won't is because generally speaking, the next person I date, if I was so inclined to be a jerk again, will probably tolerate it because most people tolerate more than they should. So let's assume that Christina dumps me because of how I treat her. But Christy does not. In my mind at that point, Christina was a problem. She was just high maintenance. Um, you know, that's her problem that she left. But what if Christy dumped me as well? And then for that matter, what if Christine dumped me as well? Sooner or later, the new normal is I can't treat people that way because the new normal is they're not tolerating it anymore. So I want to get people to the point where they're not acting based on how they think they should act. And because of the consequences of how they, you know, could act if they were who they were inside. I want to get to the point where someone says, I'm going to be who I am and I'm not going to tolerate anything less than I need, but it can't just be me doing it. It has to be a movement. Because, again, the current normal is I, as a guy especially, frankly, can act however I want to act because someone's going to tolerate it because the expectation is it is what it is. That's just how men are. You know, I cannot stand it is what it is. I cannot stand that way. But you have a lot of pressure from society to conform to, you know, what we see on the media, everything. It's like you've got to be this certain person to get the guy or the girl. I agree a thousand percent, and that and that doesn't help. And that really uh, gets to my really my real point about the, the new normal and the odds we have to fight. So if this were a work women workplace conversation, I would say an example would be a woman may complain about a guy who's talking down to her or who completely bypasses what she says that her male counterpart right next to her has the best idea in the world, even though it's the exact same word. She, if she were to go up to that supervisor and say, you know, I really don't like how I'm being treated, but she was the only one doing it, it's not going to be enough. Supervisor's going to think, I have 10 female employees working for me. None of them have an issue except this person. And EO would say the same thing, so would, you know, anyone else. But what if all, what if at least eight out of ten of those women were who they wanted to be and all had issues with how this guy was treated? So you're right. The media, uh, gender expectations, role expectations, which I think are changing, um, but they make it difficult for individuals to win fights. But much like same-sex marriage, marriage, much like um, the issue we're having in this country with treatment of minorities, once three or four, five, six, seven, you know, dozen, two dozen, three dozen voices speak up and they're loud, we have no choice but to pay attention. I want men, and I'm, I'm not a man-hater at all, but I want men to not feel like they're in a position where they can treat somebody however they want to treat them just because of the sort of sway that culturally men have over women from an expectations perspective, but it's a movement. You speak of being authentic, but a lot of coaches, in, you know, in the dating relationship realm will talk about women having too much masculine energy. Um, I've heard it being a, a leader in the military um, and the roles that I had to fulfill in the military that, you know, we get out of the military and we have too much masculine energy. But you hear that a lot. But it seems, you know, contrary to what you're saying, that they don't have to give that up. 
So I don't think they have to give that up. I've personally seen clients not give that up and do just fine. But I won't, you know, be naive and say that there isn't a perception of, as you noted, women having too much masculine energy. But the people who, who want to see that masculine energy go away are the people who don't benefit from it. Mm. So it's easy for me to say if I'm a man who thinks traditionally, <laughs> um, old-fashioned ways, if I'm a man who thinks that way, and I don't, and I'm intimidated by your masculine energy, or it's going to throw off my place in our relationship or in the dating hemisphere. Then of course I'm going to make comments about it. So the Gannon McGinnises of the world, you know, the sexist men who say women who want equal pay are just women who wish they were able to stay at home and can't. No, that's your view. That's you telling us what where you think women belong, and hoping that we will listen to it and die down on the top for equal pay. Same thing in relationships. The men who think that way, or in some cases women, want relationships to be the way they used to be and the way they still are in some cases because it benefits them. And my question in all those discussions are, who are these talks for? Who are the articles for? Who is the coaching for? The person in front of you or the environment that they have to live in? And we don't change that environment unless we change our perceptions. I'll give one other just anecdote. I have four four roles as coaches from a coaching perspective. Mm -hmm. I will not, one of my four roles is I will not help a couple salvage their relationship if there has been cheating or abuse. And I say that in relationship to our discussion here because um, I don't just take on clients and take on clients. And um, I don't preach sort of the math because the math view isn't going to get us to change. And if someone's being verbally abused, but they think that's just how it is, or I've heard people say, well, look, men cheat is just natural. You know, monogamy is not natural. Think what you think or create a new normal because we tend to let how we think drive how we act, and if that's the case and we don't change how we think, we'll always act the same. That is, you you do hear that a lot of times that that's the way men are made, that they're going to cheat. And I've seen, um, I've I've talked to women who have said that's their expectation. Yeah, I'm I'm getting married, but he's going to cheat. It's just the win. Right. I've had female clients tell me, if if I if I had these expectations, and I don't date someone who doesn't meet my needs, I'm never going to date anyone. Okay, the alternative view could be you and your five friends don't date anyone until, and then men don't have anybody to date. It, we, we, always, we always ask ourselves, who's the one catering? Who's the one changing for someone? And I say, don't change. Be who you are. Swim backwards. And if you are authentic to yourself and everyone's authentic to themselves, then by nothing but choice and, and numbers, people as a whole are going to have to embrace who people are instead of trying to steer people to who they want them to be. Right now we date because, you know, we like the feeling, we like sex, frankly, you know, we, we like the connection. But we don't make wise choices about who we date based on what our needs are because we're afraid of being alone. And that fear leads us to not change or to not hold ourselves to our to standards or hold other people to our needs. The fear of being alone and compromising who we are. Yeah. <clears throat> yep. Lots of personal examples there before I, you know, sort of got myself right, if you will, along with browser coach. I had a lot of that, and I've seen it in a lot of clients. Last night, in fact. 
So when we, we talk about couples, and what do, what do couples do in relationships that are not authentic? What are some of the behaviors you've seen? I've seen couples hold back, um, and what I mean, an example of that would be um, Chris and Carolyn are dating, and um, because Chris's confidence isn't there and he's not willing to be vulnerable, he has something in the back of his mind he wants to say about the relationship that bothers him, but he holds back. So uh, I might be worried about the fact that um, that Carolyn um, talks past me every time we're out with friends, and it's really bothering me. But I'm not going to say anything about it because I'm not confident, number one, and I'm not willing to be vulnerable because of my lack of confidence, number two. And number three... I don't really want to, I don't really want what's what's likely going to come out of it. So my perception probably is that this is going to turn into a huge argument we might break. Um, unless unless you're authentic all the time and you learn how to have conversations with each other that don't have to be I don't like how you talk down to me in front of your friends. So that's one example is we talk we talk uh, we don't say anything, we hold back. Another example would be that we um, frankly, I've seen a lot of couples whose physical and sex lives suffer because they can't, they don't feel like they can be honest about what they enjoy about each other, you know, with those sweet spot bar and all that. So what they end up having is a physical relationship that doesn't have any emotional intimacy attached to it. It's just sex for sex because there's no authenticity that, that allows both people to show up in the same space and have a conversation where they're both present in the moment and they're okay with the end state because they know how to talk to each other and they realize it won't turn bad. We just need to have these discussions about what works and what doesn't work. Um, so I, I'd say one last thing. I mean, there's many others, but one last thing is little problems always become big problems when relationships are not authentic. So an example of that would be uh, Carolyn and Chris are dating. And because they hold back on all those big things that they need to talk about, when little things start happening, like leaving laundry on the floor or, um, you know, not not doing dishes or missing, you know, forgetting to, you know, mail a, a bill for by two days, we end up fighting about those things because all the big things that are pent up inside of us don't have, have never actually came out. So anytime I hear, like, a, or read an article that says, you know, how to avoid, you know, turning, you know, dirty laundry on the floor into a divorce, I think that's just ludicrous. It's never the dirty laundry that's been the problem. It's always mm. the big things that make the little things seem like big things. But I would say those are three direct options. We hold back, we uh, make little problems big problems, and sex life suffers. Uh, sometimes we talk past each other because we're mincing words, we're talking on eggshells, as I call it, instead of just getting to the heart of the matter. I know, Mark. Are you going? To, I, I know I'm hogging all the questions, but I can really keep going here. So you're on a roll. Go for it. Okay. <laughs> um. So when you're talking about relationship authenticity, one of the things that I love on your website is you have a quiz that anybody can take, and you know you can just go and take it. Doesn't take long, and it's about how do you love, um, and really identifies your. I guess personality type or um you know how how people truly love and there's different types. 
can you talk to some of those types? I've taken it. I'll share which one I am after you explain it. Um, but can you kind of talk to those, how you love the types that come out when you take the quiz? Absolutely. So um, from my perspective, um, how someone loves means how does love show up in their life and how does it affect sort of how they operate as a lover. So, for instance, um, one of the types of lovers is a logical lover. And to me, a logical lover loves with their head more than their heart. So to them, uh, <clears throat> the act of uh, loving someone is not strictly emotional. In fact, emotional plays a, a lot smaller part to it. It's more about, does this make sense? And I'll give you an example. So if Todd is a logical lover and Todd meets Carolyn, Todd is going to look at Carolyn and say, okay, she's attractive. He's going to look at Carolyn and say, she doesn't have a ring on her finger. He's going to look at Carolyn and he's going to, you know, go up and talk to her and he's going to say, okay, I said this and she said that. And I made this facial expression and she made that facial expression. This this can probably work out. It's very back and forth. It's very logical. And even if Todd and Carolyn start dating, you know, Todd is, uh, the way Todd handles um, conflict, it's going to be from a very logical perspective. So I heard what you said, and as you'll recall, I said this after you said that. So from my perspective, you know, it, it becomes a very um, black and white sort of discussion. Um, in some cases, what women will say about a logical lover is they're not emotionally available, which isn't actually true. They just express their feelings and emotions in a different way. But they would say, you know, they seem indifferent. Uh, they're very they're very black and white. Um, Sometimes I don't want to know, uh, you know, the square root of X when we're trying to solve a problem. I don't need to be have everything rehashed on me as to how we got here. I just want to see him come out, maybe cry a little bit, maybe show a little, uh, a little more emotion. But that's a logical lover. Everything to them is has a has a rationale behind it. Um, then you have your consensual lover. A consensual lover is someone who gives as much as they get. And this is actually one of the two biggest types of lovers now. So especially as women have become more independent and have realized they don't need men in the ways that they thought they needed men for. Um, back to my women empowerment, of course, I think I don't think they ever needed men they thought they did. They just didn't know what they didn't know. But anyway, so a consensual a consensual level for you know is someone who um, can you know fall for someone and can be that person who's physically, emotionally, and intellectually intimate with someone, but not if they don't feel like it's coming back to them in, in return. And to that point, a consensual lover can actually um, move on from someone fairly quickly because to them it doesn't make sense that they've marched to 10 steps forward, but their partner's only marched two steps forward. So they become very cognizant of that. So how they love is based on how they're being loved. Whereas a logical lover, how they love it, they love with their head. Then you go to your unconditional lover, who you can probably guess loves with their heart. Mm-hmm. Unconditional lover, when they fall for someone, they fall hard. They don't fall fast and they don't fall often, but they fall hard. And to them, you know, they would blow my rule about not, you know, about not salvaging a relationship where there's been abuse. They blow it out the water. They'd say. If you can't forgive someone for those things, then you never should have got married to them. You shouldn't be in a relationship with them. You know, love at all costs. 
type of person. That's probably the easiest one to describe. It's also the least common one now. 20 years ago, it would have been one of the most common ones. But again, people's perception of relationships are changing and women's views of their own empowerment in relationships are changing, I say for the better. Um, and then you have your conditional lover. And a conditional lover says, uh, follows their heart more than their head. And this actually describes a lot of people who are under 30 years old, but they can actually love a lot of people even at the end, even at uh, at the same time simultaneously. Um, I call them a conditional lover because as conditions change, so can their situation. So Chris, who theoretically could be a conditional lover, I'm not, but could be, is dating Caroline. He really loves her, has great feelings for her, has fun with her. But gosh, Chris and his friends went out to uh, you know to a club one night and he saw uh, Janine. And man, Caroline didn't do anything wrong to him. But his heart is now there. A condition changed. A lot of young kids, uh, I call them kids, you know, under 30, a lot of people under 30 are actually finding themselves in this category now uh, because they've seen so much. They've grown up in in an age where everything changes all the time anyway. Um, I call it the everything is eliminated problem. Um, And this includes the lovers. So they can love many. They can uh, move on from Carolyn to Janine. Uh, mentally, even though they still have a soft spot for Carolyn. And the strangest part about it, from my perspective, is they won't fully understand why Carolyn's upset, because from their perspective, is look, you know, it's just we have to love more, only one person. Um, and lastly, you have the traditional lover, which, much like the unconditional lover, is sort of going away. Um, <laughs> traditional lovers are very practical. Um, so to them, they can they can look in their hearts, and I mean that sort of in a figurative way, and they can say, mm, not perfect. Um, you know, it doesn't cross, die all of my eyes and cross all of my T's. But they can say, practically speaking, this makes sense. This is a good match. This is a good fit. Um, and they're, you know, they're about role-based in a lot of cases. So um, a traditional lover who's a female would look at traditional roles that they would expect men to play, and how they love is based on what role they're supposed to play in that relationship. So how I love, if I'm a traditional male lover, is I show my love in how I protect the household, how I you know, put food on the table. And you'll see in some cases a male traditional lover and a non-male traditional lover and, then, and the female traditional lover. And the female decides eventually this isn't enough for me. He can't meet me at my emotional level. And he's like, gosh, what do you want more? You know, what more do you want from me? I've done this, 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 and this. Because he, they see it as role-based and they see it as practical. And I think it's important for people to know who they are. So, for instance, I'm a consensual lover. I give as much as I am given. Um, I'd be curious to know what you are, actually. <laughs> um, well, I'm actually, when I took it, I came out as traditional. Okay. And I understand why, pretty much. I say I, I'm traditional, but at the same time, um, you know, I like leadership roles. I do like being a leader, and um, I think that's where it kind of will, will conflict with me in terms of relationships is, you know, I am, and I've been independent, you know, for so long, where being in the military, you know, having to fulfill roles there, which are not traditional roles for a woman, especially a minority woman. And so 
it's that it's some little internal changes there that kind of took place over time where the independence with the traditional roles is probably, you know, where I'm at. But I think if I was with someone who was also traditional, I probably would not survive. I, he would he would not last. Um, I like to, you know, have my car door open. I'd like to have flowers, but I'll give you flowers too. So it's it's some things that I see. Yes, I I think he should be he should be the one to wash the car. You know, he should shovel the snow. There's certain things I see as yes, they're traditional roles. So I'm very much probably, you know, that traditional person. Well, and you are what I would call an evolved traditional. So anytime I have these conversations with clients, they'll say they'll come in and they'll say, "Oh my gosh, I'm a logical lover. What hope do I have? Do you want to be?" a logical lover or do you want to be an evolved logical lover? Because an evolved logical lover or traditional lover knows what their tendencies are, knows what they gravitate towards, but also realizes that's not always going to work for them. So I, as an evolved consensual lover, knows that my tendency is to walk 10 feet and look behind me and see, oh, they're only walking one foot up next. Well, that was before I became evolved and said, hmm, that's my tendency, but why Why might not that work out for me all the time? Where can I balance my desire for the 10 steps scored on both sides for, um, for a little, with a little understanding and a little perspective that might inform me as to why they didn't walk 10 steps? So I think it's, I, people aren't going to change what they are. They can adjust and evolve. I always use the words adjust and evolve as opposed to change mm-hmm. because I, from an authentic perspective, I don't want people to change but I want them to recognize, are there any blind spots to be in this kind of lover? And if so, how do I get in front of them? What are some things I can do? Yeah, I like that, the evolved traditional. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mark, do you want to share, share yours with us? Yeah, I, I uh, came up as a logical lover on the test, but we'll admit that I had there were a couple places where there wasn't a good choice for me Um as I went through the actual testing, right? I didn't really feel that I fit into any of the categories. So it was sort of a, a best guess. So do you think, um, just based on sort of what you heard me say earlier, that you were an illogical lover, or would you put yourself in one of the other categories? As a, as a default, as your primary, you know, knowing you can be involved, obviously, especially as a coach. Uh, I would, Chris, I think I would have to say um, probably is, but, you know, when I when I'm in love with someone, there's there's a lot more heart in it than there is, um, than there than than there than there is allowed to be based on the the, the description and how that very short test did the categorization. If that makes well, sense. I would say that yeah, it does, and it's probably because you, much like Carolyn, and probably for the same reasons, are evolved. You you know what your tendencies could be, but you, I mean, you do this for a living, you help other people figure out how their tendencies show up, and you do you do the same for yourself. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense. Makes perfect sense. So, when you're working with your clients, individuals or couples or in the group settings, um, when you're when you're talking about authenticity and relationships, and what advice do you give your clients? So the first thing I ask my clients to think about is, do you consider yourself confident? 
And I don't just take their word for it. Because a lot of people will say they're confident, but then I ask them, how does that show up in your world? And the reason, you know, that that links so much to authenticity is, back to my real example, if I'm not confident, I'm not going to be willing to be vulnerable. And to be authentic, you have to be willing to be vulnerable because authenticity is all sides of you, not just the sides you're comfortable with. So the first thing I get into is, are you confident? And again, we we go down that journey. The second thing I get into is... Can you, can you pause there for a second when you talk oh, about sure, being vulnerable? Yeah. Um, okay. You know, especially in you working in the government, being around a lot of military people, vulnerability isn't something that we can we necessarily are for years in those roles. Um, so I've seen a lot of people struggle with actually having to be vulnerable. That's that that compromises and gives up a lot of who you are. Well, and I think that. Um, <clears throat> There's a self-worth issue at play here, too, especially using the example you used about being in, you know, being in the military, even being in the government. So, as you know, there's a difference between leadership and positional power. Uh-huh. People, from a leadership perspective, tend to utilize positional power, and they call it leadership, and it's because yeah. of a self-worth issue. So, self-worth uh-huh. in the sense that where where do you get your self-worth from? The size of office you have, the uh, title on your on, on the door. How many people are going to, you know, they're going to be able to hold court for because they come to your meetings every week? Or do you get yourself worth from the impact you have? So um, when I did executive coaching, and I still do that sometimes, that's the first thing I get into. And, and from a translation to relationships perspective, where it really shows up is when someone tells me that they're confident and I say, tell me what confidence means to you. And they will say, well, I have no problem uh, speaking up, you know, in the room. And, and, you know, they'll say a couple other things. And I'll say, do you like being the person who speaks up? Yeah. Well, that's not necessarily a confidence thing. And that is, that's where you get yourself working. Confidence is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and being okay with both, not having to be the answer to every question. And if I'm not confident, I'm not going to be vulnerable enough to look at you, Carolyn, if we were dating and say, um, hey, the other day or the other night, you know, I know it was a little awkward, um, you know, in the bedroom, um, and I'd like to, you know, have a conversation about about that. I'm not going to go there if I'm not confident enough. And if I get my self-worth from, you know, having to be the person who's always on top, even if I know that it's make-believe. And that's what we do. We we prop ourselves up because in ways that we feel like, are attributed to our gender or our age or our experience instead of looking at us for who we really are and exploring around the edges. So confidence to me is number one. The second thing I would say is separate your needs and your wants. And from an authentic perspective, do you actually know what you need? And what you need is not negotiable. And the reason that shows up from an authenticity perspective is in order for me to be authentic, I have to know what an authentic relationship looks like for me. Uh, an example would be I'm not having an authentic relationship with someone if I've been dating them for nine months, and there's three really big things in the relationship that are needs of mine that are not being met. Um, because my authentic self has to then translate to the authentic relationship and how we interact and whether I'm getting, you know, getting what I what I need. And I had a client last night that I met with who told me that uh, he was on a fourth or he was going on a fourth date with someone. 
And I say, and have you explored whether or not most of your needs are being met at this point? So there's casual ways you can bring those out conversations as you're meeting someone. He says, yeah, and there's a big issue. I said, what? He said, well, she likes kids, but or, but she's, but I don't get the feeling that she loves kids. And he has a he has a daughter. So fast forward two years, and they're still dating. I don't think they will be, but let's just say they were. He can't ever really be authentic with her um, to to any degree around any experience that has to do with this child, who, by the way, is only 10 years old. Because from day one, he has held back that being an issue, and yet he's stuck with it. If we don't have our needs met, we're going to hold back, like I mentioned, or we're going to tolerate or uh, accept things that we know we don't need, and that's back to the settling, and the relationship will never be authentic. It didn't start from authenticity from day one. So I ask, are you confident? Do you know what your needs are? And let's explore both of those. It's not one word answers. Um, and then we go through scenarios. So you know, so let's have some crucial conversation discussion. So example, I'll have a client tell me. So example, you know, you, you're dating someone, you've been dating for nine months, and... <clears throat> You know, you feel like there's an issue with how they automatically go from one to ten in, in scream zone, you know, because something bothered them. That's not working out for you, and you want to have that crucial conversation with them. How do you bring it up to them? And then we go through a couple mock discussions, because a lot of it's just teaching them how to have those discussions. A presumptive communication, for instance, like you, you mentioned earlier, when, the way I communicate with companies to try to screw people over, it's all presumptive communication. But people sometimes just need to learn those tips. And I think that's what coaching does. That's why I admire what you guys do. I think it's a thousand times better than mentoring. I think it brings people to the middle instead of them always staying at that level one and you're always at the level ten and they're always looking up to you. I want someone to look across at me and not see me as their savior, but see me as their in, their personal mediator. And, you know, and I, I think... That's the key to good coaching is is having that kind of that kind of very real conversation and real 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 rapport with your with your clients. Yes, it's 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 got to be an equal relationship. Absolutely. Sorry, Carolyn, you were saying. Oh no 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 no! You're good. Because I have so many things to ask that I'm like, oh my, we don't have that much time left. What do I really want to get out there? <laughs> so, um, Carol, we have we 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 have about nine minutes left. Chris, <laughs> if 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 you uh, would please, would you let people know how they can get in touch with you if they, if they would like to follow up? Um, and then Carolyn always gets the uh, last question or comment. It's it's uh it, it's it's one of the rules here on Let's Coach. So. <laughs> I'd like to actually unpack that, but that's okay. Um, so I, my contact information is I am on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter as Maze of Love, which is, in fact, my uh, my company name, um, exactly as it sounds, M-A-C-E-O-F-L-O-V-E. Or people can email me at, and this will be very difficult, info at mazeoflove.com. Um, and uh, I'm actually doing, uh, I'll be very... Uh, Self-centered for 20 seconds. Okay, I'm actually doing a free Empowering Women in Relationships seminar on March 9th that you can look up on Eventbrite. Uh, it's free um, to try to help women figure out how to become more equal partners in relationships, and that will be in Arlington, Virginia, for those that are in this local area. And over to you guys. 
Okay. Awesome. I'll make sure I share that event then on social media as well. But on Twitter, you're Maze, and the O for of is a zero, right? I found that out the hard way. Um, love, because there is another Maze of Love on there, and that they're, they're in Spanish, so I knew it wasn't you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is correct. One of the things I learned about starting a business is, Figure out if your name is accessible on all the sites because when I found out that somebody had that nasal love and wanted to sell it to me for jaw drop thirty thousand dollars, I was like, no, thank you. I'll let people find it a different way. Not convenient, but that is a fact. <laughs> I mean, I could tell right away because they even tried to use your same heart design, everything. I'm like, oh, that is terrible. That you could tell their intent was to try and sell it to you, and they haven't done anything with it in six years, so it's just been sitting there. So I think I probably only oh man. I probably have only time for one more question, so I'll go with this one. Now and you talked a lot about you know, we we talked about being authentic in relationships and, you know, our our love type and how to love and some of the um ways that people can see themselves being authentic or not being authentic in a relationship, but a a lot of our listeners are single and they do want to attract somebody. So how does being authentic help you attract that person that, say, your soulmate? So um, I'm going to potentially burst your bubble and say I don't agree with the term soulmate. Uh, but okay. I, that line, but I, but yes, I couldn't I think of a better that. word. No, I know. I wasn't trying to burst your bubble. It was more for the people <laughs> that are listening. Um, but I think your point is uh, knowing how difficult it is to be an authentic person, especially with the expectations being where they are, how could I as a potential, as a, as a single person, meet that person that could be for me uh, being an authentic person? Well, I think for, number, for starters and back to those needs, when you focus on being authentic, you actually narrow the pool of people that you're looking for. So I'll have a lot of people say, I'm frustrated with, you know, dating around and, you know, going on 100 dates and never having a second date or rarely having a third date. Well, that's because you're not getting clear up front about who you need. So narrow the pool. What are your needs? Who meets those needs? And stick to them. Because, again, what will happen is someone will say, God, but he's really cute and he's really funny, and the needs go right out the window. And then what happens is they break up after six months because the needs creep back in. So that's a, that's first. So being an authentic relationship, being an authentic person, suggests you're going to have your needs. You're going to focus on your needs. The second thing I would say, and in the interest of time, is um, what someone can do <clears throat> is don't look at the end state when you meet someone. People go into date and go into dating and go into relationships with a desired end state in mind, and they operate around that desired end state. An authentic person doesn't put those parameters. They are who they are. They swim backwards. And if the person on the other side of the table doesn't show up again or there's not going to be a second date, that's actually not a bad thing. But we try too hard to put an end state in mind. Um, tonight I want the goal to be um, – that we go back to her place. And I don't want the goal to be that he's going to want to go out with me on the second date, and in three weeks I want him to, you know, he looks like somebody who'd be fun to come to my company party. Stop. Who are you? Hopefully you're only with dating someone or you're on a date with someone who at least meets some of your needs. 
and focus on you being you and them being them, not what, not what the next and after next may or may not look like. Be in the moment. Let go a little bit, frankly. Um, but you will, you will release so much stress and so much negative energy and so much, you know, presumption. What do we call it? What do they call it in coaching training? Self-limiting beliefs? We're going to eliminate so many of those things by simply letting go. Don't focus on the end state, but focus on your needs. And date, go on a date with someone who, to the degree you can determine, meets your needs. A lot of people will, especially in online dating, will say, well, he, it probably won't work out, but it'd be nice to go out. No, A, you're leading them on, and B, you're giving yourself to get another notch, another negative notch in your belt, which is going to turn you sour. Already, you know, you're already where you are. So I would say those two things in the interest of time. <laughs> to the last we're under three minutes so Chris thank you for joining us great show um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to speak for me here and not for Carolyn I would, I would love to have you back on the show um, lots of great comments fun fun uh, conversation so you know thank you for joining us today well, I appreciate it. I would certainly come back um, for both of you. Um, and uh, quite honestly, I listened to a couple of the other ones that you guys have done. And what I what, and I have been on other shows, but I will tell you from the bottom of my heart, what I like about yours is you're very patient, and you don't have uh, at least I didn't I didn't take it as you have like sort of canned questions. You went where the conversation went. Where I've been on interviews with people before who just sort of have canned conversations and they don't go where the conversation goes. So I appreciated that from a you know, from my perspective. So I will, I'll call uh, back anytime you want me to. Well, Thank we, you. We, we, we really would love to have you back. And that's, that's, that's one of the reasons that Carol and I like this so much. We just really enjoy the great conversations we have with some, some fairly interesting people. So thanks for joining us. And we will chat more soon, and definitely we'll, we'll have you back on the uh, show. But, uh, but thank you very much. Thank you both very much. And, uh, Carolyn, I'd love to catch up with you outside of this. Oh, we will definitely. (laughs) (laughs) We will have Chris back because we didn't even get into some of the relationship killers, but I will be sharing some of his articles and the quiz and different things throughout the rest of the month, so you'll catch those on Twitter and on Facebook and even on LinkedIn, so be looking for those. Mark, how much time do we have? (laughs) We have time for me to say, if it ain't broke, Make it better. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.